Yes. Hello. Uh, hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a free day today, so uh, enjoying uh, <laughs> this my free time. There we go. Sorry, that was my phone talking. That's okay. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Oh, thank you for, for asking me, for giving the opportunity to talk about the, uh, all the topic we are going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, because when I heard your speech live, I was like, I like this girl. This is totally different. I, I mean, I hear a lot of people talk about how they learn their languages, but incorporating their languages into other causes, like environmental causes and, you know, the environment mm-hmm. and, and other issues, I don't hear that so much. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I think it's uh, you can use different interests or passions. The like I I learned a lot about, like when I applied sustainability to integrate it into my own life. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from these uh, from this learning process, and I applied it to the language learning and al- also the other way around. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought uh, it's uh, it's a different uh, approach or a different uh, perspective or uh, yeah to to it. So uh, yeah. But when I applied for the to give the talk, I wasn't sure yet what I was going to say. Just that I know that I want to talk, combine them because I know there's a lot to, uh, yeah, a lot in common actually. So, yeah. Could you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and how you, you know, got yes. involved with learning languages, the environment, sustainability? Yeah. So um, my name is uh, Caroline Caroline Kaspers. I'm from the Netherlands. I, um, m- both of my journeys started only a couple of years ago. I studied uh, biology and afterwards uh, international water management. And during my bio- biology studies, um, I mean, I was a <laughs> huge uh, procrastinator uh, and I was uh, watching, I don't know, YouTube, but often also like environmental topics. And I came across a TED talk. And this was about uh, a guy uh, originally from the Netherlands who was working in or still is working in Indonesia in the field of um, for rainforest, um, how to say this, recovery or and orangutans, and also including the local people. And I was very inspired by his talk. It was about re- restoring a rainforest. And that brought me to actually go to Indonesia one, one year after, after seeing this TED talk to volunteer. And uh, yeah, that was the First time I uh, actually saw the effect of my consumer-like habits that uh, I came across. Uh, I went to a local Dayak village. Uh, the Dayaks are the local the indigenous people from uh, like the Kalimantan. It's on Borneo, the island, mm-hmm. the Indonesian part. And in this village, I came across a little wooden cage with an orangutan that was kept there as a pet because uh, he lost his mom. Uh, the mom was killed uh, because of the palm oil plantations. There is no place for orangutans there. Mm-hmm. So they kill the mothers and sell the, the orphans. Uh, but these people, they, I think they saved the, 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 the little one and kept him as a pet. Um, and I saw it in, with my own eyes. And I saw all these palm oil plantations, like stretch, I don't know, kilometers long stretches of rainforest. And when I was in Indonesia, I haven't seen any like original rainforest, it was already secondary forest, mm-hmm. which means it has been cleared already, like cut already. And uh, what comes back, it's not the same biodiversity or the same um, 
yeah, I would say that it's 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 different. It's it's less biodiverse uh, than the original forest. So it was I was not expecting that at all. Um, and yeah, this was my first um, time I actually realized that what I do in the Netherlands it has effect on the land, on the people, on the animals on the other side of the world. Um, so yeah, that was my first step with the with sustainability. And with languages, that was when I also <laughs> related to procrastination. Uh, at a certain point, I thought, okay, uh, I was stuck in my thesis writing during my master's. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I thought, okay, I, I, I want to, I mean, I don't know how to continue with the thesis writing, but I do want to do something useful. So I have been visiting a lot of conferences as a volunteer or first as a participant. Uh, I went to many uh, across Europe and then I came across the, um, the polygon gathering. Uh, when, how did I come across it? Uh, I think I might went to a book signing of Benny Lewis mm -hmm. uh, because I was following a little bit of his blog. Mm -hmm. However, I was not really involved with language learning myself at all. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I, I thought I was curious. Uh, I know I have some prejudices towards language learning and uh, I'm open to the new, new information, new perspective on it. So the year after I heard about the political gathering, I went there myself in 2015. And it was really uh, like a mind blowing or I, how to say this, eye opening experience. Mm -hmm. And that's attendance there, it changed my view on language learning and actually inspired me to start myself as well. Uh, yeah, that broke a lot of my prejudices, which I was happy with. I was happy with that. So um, yeah, that started my language learning journey. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just curious, what, for my listeners, what, what languages do you speak, aside from English and Dutch? Uh, well, my, my own uh, original language is the, my dialect. Maybe it's a strange thing to say, because the Limburgs, it's, it's a name, it's not an official language. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but it is my first language. I, I learned this uh, uh, until I was four, like five, and then I only learned Dutch on school, when I went to school. I had to speak Dutch because not all of the um, like uh, children spoke the dialect. Mm -hmm. And that's so Lim I, I would consider Limburgs a bit different. I, it's easier for me to speak that dialect than Dutch. Mm -hmm. It's different muscles that I use in my mouth. Or, so it's, it's very easier for me to speak in my dialect. Uh, and then German. Uh, and then I would say German is quite, quite good. I started learning Spanish and Russian as well, but I, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm proficient uh, at all. In the, I mean, Spanish much better than Russian. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know about speaking Russian. I, I yeah, it's, it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, then, Russian, uh, Russian has a lot of um, cases and, and the collisions and, you yeah. know, endings that you have to remember. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. So, so for me, Russian, um, I've had active phases where I learned actively Russian and also and I would say now it's more passively and I'm now actively learning German. I would like to get a really good Lexi one or mm -hmm. uh, even better than that. Um, because I would like to maybe uh, giving lectures or something, I would, I would really like to be able to speak German really well. Right. So I'm focusing on that. And then afterwards, uh, probably Spanish. Uh, and then Russian always on the side, uh, more passive. Like and with passive, passive I mean uh, reading or listening um, right. What else? 
so that doesn't require a lot of energy. Um, just I just can listen to a podcast or whatever. It's easier than actively speaking. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's it. It's I'm not a I'm not a I think I think I'm not I cannot call myself a polyglot, but I am. Um, I have a lot of fun learning languages, and it has given me a lot of um, I don't know really nice experiences, and I learned so much from other like cultures that way, or like other I don't know. It made, made it made it so much more interesting the traveling and right. uh, learning, yeah, learning as well. Now I'm just I'm just curious um, because when I was listening to your talk, um, and you were talking about the sustainability um, portion of your your the passion in regards to the environment and yeah. using like uh, recyclable water bottles and I was like wait I have I do this all the time yeah yeah. So I think uh, sustainability, it's a very broad, broad term. Right. Um, I, I mentioned the, what's, what's the word, a definition. Um, there's a like the official one, um, but I like the more informal one, like treating the world as if we plan to stay. Right. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of uh, different ways. Well, I would say um, scales or degrees to which you can be sustainable. Like work on this. I took a lot of steps. I I didn't. I started with. Uh, let's see. What was my first start? I think maybe it was the water. Like not buying any plastic water bottles because the Netherlands is has one of the best uh, tap water qualities in the world. You know, it's ridiculous to buy water bottles in the Netherlands, really. So uh, this is why I was very stubborn. I do not want to buy any bottles anymore. Like I think five six years ago, I haven't bought any bottle not any Coca-Cola or whatever. I, I don't want to buy any bottles anymore. Uh, and this is actually po it's, it's possible. Just You just need, like you said, the, um, like a reusable uh, bottle and remember to bring it with you. Um, yeah, like a reusable coffee cup too. Yeah, so I have one thermal, thermal uh, bottle, uh, which I use for like the coffee. I just give it to the people behind the counter and they are happy to fill it. Uh, and now, just a couple of months ago, at the train uh, company or at the firm, or at the station, I mean, they actually stimulate it, like they give you a discount. Mm -hmm. This has only been uh, for a couple of months, but I've been doing that already like five years ago, and, and people are happy to actually do that. Um, but also with ice cream or uh, soup, I bring soup with me in this uh, thermos uh, bottle and uh, smoothies. So I, yeah, I prevent getting these. Uh, paper or plastic uh, yeah because I, I even go as far as I, I stopped using plastic bags mm -hmm. and I actually have a grocery cart that has a cloth lining in it okay yeah and I pretty much put all my groceries in it cover it up with the the covering the cloth covering mm -hmm. and I'm on my merry way <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this is also, there are like small things you can do which definitely have an impact. And this is what I started with, with the small steps. Uh, and then another important step for me is that I mentioned it also in the in my presentation at the Women in the Language Conference, that I started making my own deodorant. Um, and this was a very important insight that do it yourself, it actually works. 
and it's even better than uh, what I've ever bought in the supermarket. And that, you know, I had some prejudices towards making my own deodorant. I actually knew the recipe one year before I'm ac I've actually started making it because mm -hmm. I thought it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. It's more expensive. How, and then how can it work better than what I buy in a supermarket? Also, this thought that, that blocked me from actually trying it. And also, I thought making my own deodorant, yeah, that just is a tiny in positive impact. So it's just a droplet in a sea. So I didn't feel, I don't know, it took me a year to actually make make use of the recipe that I had at home. Right. And when I did it, it was in 2014, I discovered it's only five minutes of work. It's very cheap, very effective. Um, you know, there are only three ingredients, like baking soda, coconut, uh, coconut oil, and maizena, like maize starch. Okay. And um, yeah, and it's good for your body. You can eat each of these ingredients. It's, yeah, like I said, biodegradable. And um, so this, despite this, that it's a very tiny thing that I did, it's, it has been life-changing because then I realized, okay, I, I had all these obstacles in my mind about this, all these prejudices, uh, but they are, it's actually not true. I have to put effort in, you know, realizing that I'm prejudiced and then breaking these uh, prejudices. So right. and that's also one of the reasons I went to this gathering in Berlin in 2015. So that's how, how it helped me actually, you know, the, the, the insights from making deodorant to actually going to the gathering, Polyglot gathering. And yeah, so there are many of these uh, links between my two like interests or passions. Uh, yeah, and this uh, I think it's it's good to start even if it's a very small thing, like uh, using your uh, like using your water bottle. It's very um, very important for yeah for taking the next steps because it make, feels you empowered, makes you feel empowered. Um, yeah, and that's uh, yeah. So uh, I don't know what the original question was, but yeah, so the deodorant and what else did I say? The water bottle were very important first steps for me. Did you, I mean, evidently, did you ever think about marketing? Your Marketing? Yeah, your, your deodorant. Uh, yeah, it's so, I mean, it's so easy to, I, I do know people who actually sell uh, deodorants. But I don't know, you can, it's so easy to make yourself and it, it's so, so nice to be able to, that once you make it, this, this feeling you get from actually, you know, make, making this yourself and not, again, paying for it and then right. uh, paying for the product. Yeah, I think maybe I could, but uh, I think it's much more, uh, it's better if people make it themselves. Uh, but I think... How, if I could market it, it would be like a workshop to help people take right. the first steps because uh, it does help to take people by the hand, to show mm -hmm. them, be there with them to to do this, uh, deodorant or toothpaste or body cream, uh, also cleaning products. You can all make yourself. Um, and then, yeah, just in a workshop uh, format. I haven't done that yet, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a, I think I would enjoy it a lot and also would be the best way to yeah if if i want to earn money a little bit with that i would do it in that way yeah i know that um there are many people that are going 
the clean route in regards to food and, you know, being more of a minimalist Mm -hmm. um, in regards to what they have in their homes. Um, I mean, because I know here in the U.S., you know, clean eating is becoming very popular. And um, I don't know about minimalism, though, because people in the U.S. like a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's shoes, clothes, purses, whatever it is. You know, they have to have it in abundance. And mm-hmm. do you feel that, like, after, you know, visiting Indonesia and, and, and experiencing the experiences you experienced, that it changed your um, mindset, I would say, on, you know, how much stuff you acquire Mm-hmm. In your daily life, you know, I mean, because mo- I mean, for women mostly, they like their 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 perfumes and their makeup and their clothes and their shoes and their, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. did, did it change your view on like, oh, do I really need this? Mm-hmm. Can I live without this? Yeah, it definitely did, <laughs> um, <laughs> because I, you know, once you become more aware. Uh, and conscious about that each product it actually has to come from somewhere there are resources needed for this uh, like uh, like mines where you where they all get these minerals or metals out of the uh, ground often related to uh, social issues like mo- modern slavery it's actually a thing it's real it's, ha- it's happening currently still uh, it's it's associated with uh, yeah the, the mining or the make product of, of laptops and, and all other electronics so once I got to know more and more about the environmental and social issues related to cons- consumerism, materialism, um, it definitely gave me the motivation to look at other ways, um, like do a, a question indeed, like do I really need uh, to buy a new laptop um, or do, you, do I really need to buy new clothes? And, and also question like why you know, do I need uh, new clothes? Why? Because it makes me feel better, but why does it make me feel better? Uh, certain I need a for certain approval or like the more deeper questions that I started asking myself and re-evaluating my priorities with that as well. So I do definitely um, it definitely changed my my mindset or worldview and my habits or behavior after that. So nowadays I I buy. I prefer, yeah, preferably secondhand. Uh, my laptop, uh, my lap- I have two laptops. Uh, I bought them secondhand, and my clothing. I, I haven't bought any new clothing in a long time. Uh, I'm lucky. I'm privileged that I, I do. I get clothes from my sister, for example, or I have a lot. I have have had a lot of clothes in the past, and I don't need new ones. I just use them until they. <laughs> yeah, I cannot use them anymore, and that will be for a very long time. Uh, but there are also nowadays uh, like companies with a different business model that uh, like certain like eco labels or they only use bio um, organic uh, what's the word organic cotton or uh, they really look at the working conditions of the like the people involved in the the whole uh, chain of, of the product from mining to the production to the transport to um, usage and waste disposal there's a whole 
waste the whole chain of, of that of, until the product reaches your home. Um, and what I learned uh, only a couple of months ago actually is that using new products, uh, buying new products is actually the the biggest has actually the biggest impact um, because of the hidden like the hidden costs like the what what I said with the mining there's a lot of chemicals being used um, deforestation uh, social issues as well and um, yeah CO two emissions so if you look at all these different kinds of impacts buying new stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has the it has the biggest negative impact, and if you turn it around, if you folk, like first, if you want to be effective in your sustainable uh, habits, you you know you, you go first do that, like try to reduce this new this consumption, um, and then the second one I think it's uh, meat eating animal products. So there there are, uh, if you want to be effective with it, there are certain big areas that you can work on um, but then there's always a question of responsibility uh, like a lot of people say it's not my responsibility it's the companies and governments which is for a big part true because uh, there are i don't know how many i think 100 companies are responsible for 70 percent of the emissions if you look only at the co2 emissions mm-hmm. so they have a big role to play it's it's not only the consumer like me as an individual that should do something it's also uh, the other parties like the companies and the government um, but yeah the um, yeah there are a lot of things I came across or struggled with um, it's a whole process when when you start to be aware of, of yeah, the impact your own your own way of living has on the world but it's been very enriching like you can see it as a as a limitation, mm-hmm. but uh, because I'm not allowed to buy new clothes or new stuff, I'm not allowed to eat any animals, I'm not allowed to fly, or I'm not allowed to do this and this and this. Um, but they're always like, if you don't do that, there's something else you do. So for me, a whole new world opened up, and I'm I feel better for it. I I am happier for it. I I've met you know many f- people that are also on the same that we are all, all in the same boat, but also people who uh, are actively um, taking steps, uh, living their values. So, yeah, I, I've met some many people. Yeah, I, I mentioned this in the, in my talk as well. Like, create your bu- create a bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, to so it's important that you don't feel alone. It's also for language learning um, very important um, because. Yeah, I think I maybe I have to explain it a bit. Mm. So yeah, for for the sustainability or and for language learning, the thing is that we are constantly being influenced and also manipulated by anything around us, conversations, news, social media. It's impossible not to be influenced. Right. And knowing knowing this, I I started using it to my benefit. Um, because what I realized is that I. Um, I was actually with learning Russian mm-hmm. that I have to, for remembering a word, I cannot remember it after one time. I have to like re- uh, read it. I have to write it down. I have to listen it, listen to it in a podcast or a YouTube video like mm-hmm. at least five times and, and maybe sometimes 10 times before I actually remembered the word or the, the sentence. 
and I could reproduce it myself. So knowing this, like this five to 10 times exposure rule, mm -hmm. it's also applicable to sustainability um, because I'm, like I'm, 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 I have a vegan lifestyle, mm -hmm. uh, but that was not um, like the first time I heard about this, uh, like vegan, I actually didn't know what it was, uh, but I don't think I was had a negative association with it. I think a lot of people or I know people who do have that as a negative association. Right. Uh, but after hearing it one time, meeting one vegan person, uh, you probably you will not change your ways or it, it takes like five to ten times uh, reading about it, hearing it, seeing in a documentary uh, and especially should be pos positive associ yeah, associations. Right. And then the, only then you will start thinking about it and maybe applying it in your own life as well. So, um, yeah, this I, I now on purpose expose myself uh, when I want to do something or when I want to do create a new habit, mm -hmm. like I expose myself to it, to um, like starting following certain on Instagram, for example, I start following certain people or organizations, or I go to certain events, I watch certain things on, on the like internet or I'm reading certain books. So you can be very active and like use it, use this knowledge of that. Yeah, that's uh, that you have to be exposed more times. Yeah, I I know for me, uh, when I started learning Russian four years ago, mm -hmm. um, the word dostatichna, which means enough, I kept hearing it, but it took me three years to realize it meant enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I was like, wait, so that's what that was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I had heard it so much. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, what the heck does this mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm what, like, what, what did oh. you look it up, or how did you find out the meaning? Um, well, I did go. I, I finally went to Google Translate, mm -hmm. and uh, I looked it up. But I I was so immersed inside of the language because I'm an auditory learner. So I um, you know, I just went and got Michelle Thomas Russian, and then uh, Russian Made Easy podcast, and I went through the Russian Made Easy podcast, the 30 lessons that were free in like a week. Oh well. <laughs> but then I I always loved the language since I was like a teenager because I studied theater and film when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And so that's my background. But I've always loved languages ever since I was little. I just never was able to learn them in high school. Mm -hmm. And so my first language was uh, sign language when I was a child. And then my first foreign language was Spanish in college. Mm -hmm. And then independently, my first language was Russian. And since then, I've learned uh, some Dutch. Oh, that uh, uh, nice. Yeah. Ik heb graag het heel mooie beter dan um, other talent, for example, me friend. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I weet that um, I can speak it a little bit, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but I do not it's working. Mm -hmm. 
the new spreading it met me other polyglot friendly and okay. they community and the humans help yeah i mean community is a different difficult word yeah yeah but i it's hard because i can't find no one to speak <laughs> what well there's me <laughs> yeah, yeah you know now someone who uh, speaks uh... i i um it wait um me uh, friend mr jan van der Aar, oh yeah mm-hmm. of um Dallin boost Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know him. Um, we, I. It's funny because I can understand a lot of Dutch. Mm-hmm. Um, very well. Yeah, I think understanding is much easier than speaking, right? It's, um, it's, well, maybe because it's a it's a Germanic language, it's similar to English and German. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that difficult to really pick up. I, it, mm-hmm. I think I just need to practice more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, practice is key indeed. Yeah. Will you go to the gathering? Um, no, actually, um, since I live in the states, it, yeah. and I don't have a passport yet, I'm working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think next year my first official international event is going to be um, Langfest in Montreal. Oh yeah. yeah. Since I'm in I'm in North America, so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I live in the U.S., so that's as close as I'm going to get right now. Yeah. Europe, I would love to go to, but it's just so expensive. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I am also not going to the Canada one, um, so I also stick to where I live. <laughs> I yeah. and it's funny because I've been I interview so many people from like all over mm-hmm. on my show, and I'll be celebrating my one year anniversary next Friday. Oh well, congratulations! Thank you. And and I mean, I I'm lucky that everybody has said yes to coming on the show to talk about their language learning journey and share it with all the people that I I have um, mm-hmm. listening from around the world. I, I have like right now is a small group. It's like 160 people from 70 countries around the world. So after the U.S., Spain, and France. Starting with the UK, I have one person in 67 countries from around the world listening to me. Ah, cool. So there is one person from the Netherlands, but (laughs) (laughs) but I'm I'm very um, happy to be able to share, you know, with people about other people and their language learning. And then too, I get to meet some really incredible language learners in my own right learn more about their process how they use languages i mean because i've only been involved with the community on facebook um for about four years now okay so um yeah i mean i i did a lightning round talk for women in language which i was surprised when i opened up um my my tablet and wrote uh, an email saying this is what I'm going to talk about and I got picked I didn't think I would because I didn't know how many people were going to apply for mm-hmm. the lightning round talk and when my name came up the next day I was like yeah <laughs> I mean I practiced it like 10 times beforehand and I enjoyed it and I got yeah. to meet more people that way and 
when, when is your like you which which uh, time slot because i can still watch them so i, I think i have um seen i was it was the lightning round talk so i was like the first one up okay and the, on the fourth day y yes yeah. okay mm -hmm. we'll check it out yeah, yeah. because i'm really i i have only watched a few of them and i'm still have to i, I want to watch uh, a lot more of them I'm i watched that they're available oh really <laughs> wow yeah, I, I did it in real time. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I wish there were more yeah. online mm -hmm. because I personally feel that there are a lot more people out there in the world that really do love languages. They just can't afford to go all over the world. Yeah, that's, that's good that's the, that there is an online conference. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Very nice. And then someone said, well, there's more. I was like, well, where's the transparency? Because no one knows about it. Mm -hmm. If there are, it's not being shared. I don't know. I, I only know that the conference and the gathering talks they will they are on YouTube. Right. So this is also, um, but it takes a few months before they upload it. But yeah. Yeah, I I've noticed that um, yeah. a lot of people were complaining because they were like, "Why is it taking like four months for you to?" <laughs> get this stuff online and I yeah. said well I can just imagine what it's like to have to put on that type of an event mm -hmm. you know you gotta do all the advertising you gotta do interviews you gotta you know get funding volunteers yeah. especially if you know people registration all kinds of stuff together information mm -hmm. packets it takes a lot yeah Way to more put than on that type of an event yeah yeah. And I don't think too many people realize just how much it takes to put on an event. I mean, because I've been invited to speak at events for other things that I am involved with. And I used to be president of the um, National Federation of the Blind of Summit County Chapter here in Akron. Mm -hmm. And we were invited to, to um, share information at a disability um, event. 30 miles up the road from me and the next town and just to get there and get your information your stuff set up that was a lot that took a lot and mm -hmm. so you know I always tell people when you're when you're having to organize things and you know it takes time it, yeah. you know especially when you know you only have a handful of people working with you yeah so but I mean, I, I enjoy listening to the um, the talks. Um, I think, let's see here. I've interviewed Jessica Brown, Wendy Boats, um, Destiny Yarborough. Um, there's a few others. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm from Women in Language. I, I, I probably have about six to eight people from women in language alone. Okay, yeah, it's and, a good and, pool to pick to get people from for, to interview. Right. I think. <laughs> um, well, because there's not enough women. Yeah. And I see that there's not enough women in the language learning community that are like in the forefront. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's all male dominated. Yeah. I and I I was even talking to someone in a private group that I'm in. Um, 
I just got finished doing an interview with Shahida Foster like the weekend before last, and I'm going to be interviewing um, Caddy Nadoy, Jordan Aiken, and um, Tamara Marie next month. So, I'll do a lot more women on your show. Right. Um, Because there's not enough. (laughs) And I see that. I think they they are there, but they maybe not uh, like on YouTube, uh, like a lot. Or YouTube or Facebook. Well, they're in Facebook, but it's almost like, okay, I like studying. I don't know if I want to be interviewed. Um, And a lot of people, if I notice this correctly, a lot of the um, people who are getting sponsors to sponsor their shows and it's mostly men. Okay. I don't know about that. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Like if they, I, I see that a lot. Like a lot of the men are getting sponsored. Mm-hmm. Like Kirsten has her, her show and everything and she does have sponsors sponsoring her show. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's becoming popular, but she's the, her and Tamara Marie are the only two people I've seen so far where they're getting sponsors. Uh, and Tamara Marie hasn't had her podcast very long, but it's just the point that like, I wish it was a more even playing field. Yeah. To be honest, I have no idea how that works actually. So like I have not really much sensible things to say about that yeah how you get sponsorship or how right i i just guess like as far as the language learning community is concerned there are people that are they are contributing in their own way but they're so invisible it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack Mm -hmm. you got to kind of search around i mean i've found people on youtube a lot of people that are just now getting on Facebook. Yeah. That are so women. So it's good that what you're doing then. It's uh yeah you you're inviting many women so. Yeah. Yeah, you make your presentation more. Even, oh yeah. Like it, like it actually is. I think there are as many women learning languages, enjoying learning languages as men. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. and I mean I the good thing about it is you get to meet people that from like every walk of life mm-hmm. um, and they're very welcoming that I've noticed I mean yeah. I've been a part of different communities and had different hobbies where it wasn't as friendly and it wasn't as welcoming either I totally agree yeah I really liked um, the language learning or polyglot community it's a, like a gathering it's a conference I was there once that's why I keep on going. <laughs> it's really like a reunion every year. And yeah, with some of them, I'm in touch in between as well. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really nice community. I agree. Oh, yeah, because I, I can, I like, I, um, people are like, you should come, you know, and I'm like, I want to. Mm. I just, well, because of finances, it's very difficult. And I said, I will start with two things, women in language, and I'll start with Langfest. And then I'll see the following year if I can weasel my way to 
get over to Europe somehow. It would be nice if they could have the polyglot gathering, like not just in Europe, but stretch it out outside mm-hmm. of Europe. Like they do the conference. Mm-hmm. I think that would be nice. Yeah. I'd like to see someone have a conference in Australia. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Or New Zealand or somewhere. I mean, pick the four corners of the uh, the seven corners of the world. Yeah, why not? Indeed, just need people like volunteers to start doing that, like organizing. Right. Th- I think yeah. that would be awesome because I mean, you get to see parts of the world if you can afford to. <laughs> yeah. um, go, but just the, you know, I mean, I would love to go to Europe. That would be a dream of mine. I mean, if things weren't as crazy I would love to backpack around Europe Mm -hmm. and just go on a train somewhere and go to Amsterdam and go here and you know um, and just enjoy take it all in you know but at the same time it's extremely extremely expensive Mm -hmm. and depending on what time of the year you buy tickets yeah. yeah yeah i have uh like uh right now i'm not uh i'm only traveling by train or overland mm-hmm. so i i stick within europe because um it's very expensive to go by boat to other continents so uh, but it's uh, made me more creative and i start appreciating the journey as well a lot i see a lot of um like initially for me it was really uh focused on like co2 emissions with with flying because mm-hmm. I, I am I'm actually in a position to, I think we're all privileged if we can travel, like have holidays. Mm-hmm. And also that I live in Europe. I mean, it's for me, it's easy to go to other countries. They also are very nearby. And right. there, there are train connections. So that makes it for me easy to do that, traveling overland. And I realize that's not the case for uh, people in, like, I don't know, like you in USA or uh, South America or Australia. But because um, I can't yeah, we'd be it, taking I, I a plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it depends on the context. But for me, um, yeah, train is like I really love trains. Or I tried hitchhiking. Even it was also um, <gasps> a lot of yeah, I would say a lot of fun and interesting. And a lot of I like the unexpected. So and this is what you get when you don't travel by plane because plane it's and and organized travel. I I prefer the like the like more flexible and the unexpected. So. Now that's interesting because I know here in the states um, things are starting to change as of next year, and the beginning of October we have to have special IDs now, in order okay. to get into like government buildings and to fly. Oh really? Oh, I didn't yes. Know that. Well, I think some of it's due to security reasons, you know, mm-hmm. at the border and everything, and. Um, also, you know, identity theft, and so now we have to do this procedure, or you will not be able to fly, and you will not be able to go into a government building if you're not military. You know, if you're not retired military, or, you you know, it's just going to be, yeah. So, I said, well, I'll be getting mine, because I can't drive anyway, but I said, I'll be getting my ID, because I need to go into a federal building. Mm. You know, and I want to, and I like to fly. So, but I will say I have caught a train from California 
to Cleveland and back. And I have to say, it's the most wonderful experience you could ever have. You hear so many different stories from people. And yeah, yeah. You get to meet people from like all over. And That's the true. food is not that bad either. Yeah, I always brought my own food because here the trains do not, they don't provide food. So I just brought my own. But indeed, the people you sitting next to you, if you, I mean, you can talk if you want. You can also stay silent. But I also like to talk with, uh, uh, with the people, if I speak their language, at least. <laughs> That's not always the case in uh, Europe. Uh, so many languages. Do you so, plan on learning any other ones? Or you just uh, want to maintain the ones you have? I would like to improve the ones that I am now learning, and then uh, definitely French, and um, yeah, French de definitely. And then uh, I would find it very interesting Farsi, mm -hmm. uh, and maybe Mandarin Chinese. But um, that's uh, not uh, right now. I I don't know yet exactly if or when I will do that. But first Spanish and Russian, and then French. E yeah, those are um, my two strongest foreign languages. And then French, I'm like at an A2 going to a B1. Okay. And I'm trying to get my Italian up to a B1. I, I look, if I get to at least a B1, I, I know I'm not going to forget it anyway. Yeah. But yeah. it'll be it'll be locked in my head. Yeah. Um, But right now, I'm actually studying Thai, Turkish, and Cantonese. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Uh, sound doesn't sound easy <laughs> combining them and also. Well, um, I do one at a time. Like I try to get to like like an A two in each one, and mm -hmm. then keep going from there. But I'm such a movie fanatic, and I love cinema a lot. And mm -hmm. ever since you know technology has become much more prevalent and stuff is talking more for people who have low vision or no vision at all. I, I use all Apple products. So um, I have voiceover read me the subtitles on the TV that I have mm -hmm. uh, when I'm watching a foreign movie. So I'll, I'll put it in English subtitles and I'll watch it in English subtitles. Mm -hmm. And um, then, you know, I get the whole gist of the movie, you yeah. know, and then I'll turn off the subtitles and I'll watch it in its original language. Oh, yeah. I might not understand all of it, but the fact that I'm getting my ear exposed to the language, that's what's important to me. Yeah. And um, Netflix is my friend. <laughs> so I've been watching, um, I watched this one Thai movie. It was called Still. It was a horror slash uh, suspense movie. And this guy was dating this chick and she was, um, they went to this party at this place and then it caught on fire. And then some people died and he thought that she had died and mm -hmm. he was staying at this hotel and he kept wondering why the water was brown. Well, come to find out the water wasn't brown. It was what had happened was, was that the place was kind of like possessed because someone had died in the bathroom or gotten killed in the bathroom. Okay. And so the, the chick was like, well, who was renting the room to him. Well, why is this water dirty for? Why haven't you used the cleaner to do this? And, and he kept saying, I've been doing that. It's not working. This thing needs fixing. And the whole time she knew that this, this place was, you know, possessed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he left. He wasn't dumb. He left. 
And then she went and found two people and got them to be in this room with her and, oh, go and take a shower, go and take a shower. Well, they wound up dying. (laughs) I I really do not like horror movies. (laughs) It's not good for my nerves, for my emotional states. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, literally, I was like, well, this this tells me about my my bathroom sink now. I mean, I was just, because I studied movies and I have a degree in filmmaking. I, I, I sat there and was just laughing so hard. I was like, she is so stupid. Someone needs to just deal with this chick already. But the movie was so good. You know, I was like, ooh, this gives me motivation to keep going with my time. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, um, in June, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Stu- Stuart J. Raj. The, the t- I call him the Thai guy. He's Australian. And he, he speaks like 29 languages. Wow. And I know, right? That's what I said. I'm lucky to be able to wrap my head around nine to different degrees. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them are like an A1, A2, you know. But aside from that, like, I'm going to be interviewing him and his wife on the 15th of June when I come back from vacation. So, um, and we're going to be talking about Thai culture and mm-hmm. Thai, you know, what what's it like to to come over there as a foreigner you know and deal with the language barrier because you know you you go to somewhere some country you've never been never knew the language very well you're going to be in an expat bubble how can you get out of that expat bubble you know what's the difference between american thai food and thai food in taiwan you know Mm -hmm. what's it like using your language skills for like real work like business using it for business use conducting business negotiations and deals and talking to people on the ground so forth so yeah we're going to be and i i'm going to be interviewing um steven Krashen at the end of june too so um he is one of the academics most highly um, authority figures on comprehensible input. Okay. Like he was talking about comprehensible him- input before I was born. I was born in 77. So he was doing it like three years before I came into existence in 1974. Okay. He's like this big wig academic and he's studied languages. And so he's going to be on my show. And, um, yeah, I yeah, sounds all interesting. Like, uh, yeah, people yeah. should listen the next months. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, I I mean, I've I've interviewed Richard. I've interviewed. Yeah, Alex. I saw some of, uh, yeah, I listened yeah. to some of your uh, your interviews on YouTube. So I saw yeah. some names that I still would like to listen to. Yeah, uh, there's so, too many like too many podcasts or episodes I like to listen to from you and from others. Yeah, uh, I could do this like. Uh, like a full-time job <laughs> so my well you know job. it's yeah. so funny you say that though because like there are people that i like listening to mm-hmm. like i listen to more podcasts than i do watch tv yeah like like i mean because nowadays and i studied theater theater was my my bachelor degree undergrad and i studied acting and mm-hmm. um i also have my tefl certification to teach business english and english for young learners so you know, I help people 18 to 65 with their, with their English, mostly their pronunciation, their writing, their 
speaking and um, listening comprehension. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of it is they they don't have enough exposure to the language listening to it. You know, whether it's songs or audiobooks or movies, you know, or just going out into society and using it. Mm. You know, they're used to going back into their first language mode, um, you know, and whether it's Chinese or whether it's Persian or whether it's Spanish or whatever, Russian or Serbian. So because I speak Russian and I speak Spanish and I can I know a little Japanese, a little bit of Arabic, you know, I'm able to have simple small little conversations and I plan on them yeah yeah and I mean I've never gotten so much of a warm welcome um before my life being african-american for going on 42 years old visually impaired you didn't I've dealt with so much discrimination in my life um because of my visual impairment not because I was a black woman but because people are fearful of what they don't know or what they don't understand. And I'm so much someone that, um, I, I'm multi-ethnic. So I had, I found that I have like a quarter Irish in my bloodline. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about. And I'm, I'm, um, have some, um, Bendai, um, tribe in my bloodline from West Africa. Um, Cherokee Indian, African American, oh. and Black. How did, how did you find out? How did you find out? DNA. Oh, DNA. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it is it expensive to do that? Or? Uh, about eighty bucks. Oh, okay, that's not so much. Okay. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always think, been. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's so interesting that uh, I think we all all of us have I think mixed uh, like heritage or mixed um, ancestors. Uh, yeah. I'm not pure. I mean, I know I'm not pure. I'm, uh, my father is German, but uh, yeah, I, I know there's probably also some Spanish in, in there. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's so interesting. And it, it's really good to realize that uh, I, I, never, I never say I'm proud. I'm a proud, proud Dutch person. I don't know. It's, it's just a coincidence that I'm Dutch, right? I'm, that I'm born here. Right. Uh, and we're all uh, connected in that, in that way. We can, you can never say I'm I'm this nationality because actually you're not. You're a mix. Right, oh. right. And but what's so interesting now is that people want to label you. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like I look at it like like um Jan had written a post a while back and he wanted people's feedback on the post. He asked why why are you learning languages for? Mm-hmm. And I wrote, I learn languages in order to bridge the communication divide between people from around the world yeah it's a very commendable reason to learn it yeah. right um yeah. not to mention i like being around people mm. i'm such a geek that you know i like talking about science fiction and fantasy i like talking about philosophy and buddhism and Me too. Uh, <laughs> you know history yeah. and theater and shopping mm-hmm. and fashion i love clothes um however you know at the end of the day i like to travel and i like to experience things and yeah. i look at it like eventually i'm going to learn japanese swahili hindi and egyptian arabic to add on and then i said i'm stopping 
because all the languages I have, I want to be able to maintain all 10 or 12 or whatever I go up to. Mm. I'm 42 now, so I have plenty of time to learn all these to the levels I want to learn them. You know, the fact that I can speak a little Turkish, the fact that I know a little bit of this and a little bit of that, I'm happy with it. I'm not, I'm never going to consider myself to be native. I'm not trying to be native because I wasn't born in that country. And so therefore, I just want to be able to communicate and be understood and have a good time. Yeah. You know. Yeah, for me, it's uh, what you said, the building bridges. It's also for me the reason to like be more into like activism and also language learning is a is for me like a tool but mm-hmm. uh, it's not only a tool i really enjoy it so it, there should always be a fun element to it otherwise right. it's impossible to maintain it to keep on doing it so oh that's I just think. like with me like with me a friend of mine had all the audio harry potter audio and then the first thing i asked was do you have audio in dutch because i needed something to listen to yeah and- <laughs> So he sent me all the Harry Potter and all the oh. languages I wanted. Cool. Oh. And I'm like, oh, I, I love it. The Spanish ones, actually. Spanish books. Uh, <laughs> if you have I try. You know, I did very well in Spanish. They wanted to send me to Cuba and Mexico for like a month at the time. And this was like 20 years, almost 20 years ago. And of course, I couldn't afford it. And I didn't have a passport. So that was out of the question. But I wasn't. I wanted to, if you're going to send me anywhere, send me to Italy or France or Russia or somewhere. <laughs> you know? Um, because those were my three favorite languages of all time. I just had to take Spanish because I needed it for a degree requirement. But there were parts of the culture I liked. Mm-hmm. Like the music, the, the music, the dancing, the food. And I liked hanging out with Spanish-speaking people because I grew up with a lot of them. And Italians and stuff. So to me, it was like, okay, well, I guess I can suffer learning it for school purposes, but I'll use it only for the stuff I like it for. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I do speak it quite well, but I rather sing to it or something, Mm -hmm. you know, or dance to it or eat food, you know, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Not so much. Not so much um, speak it 24-7. I, I, I guess because I live in the U.S. and it's pushed on you so much and there's so many people from so many countries in this country. I want to embrace everybody. Mm. Not just one one particular. Yeah. Um, now, we're coming down on the last like couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask, um, do you have any quick tips for the listeners out there uh language learning or sustainability or both both uh, um so yeah in my talk on the women in the language conference it's not pity it's not public otherwise uh i mean i mentioned a lot of things in there um one maybe i pick one of them uh let's see i have the list in front of me because <laughs> it's uh let's see Mm, which one I would recommend yeah so uh, sustainability like I said the fun part it's it's so important um, no I think I will mention another one about perfection uh, because 
both for language learning I and for sustainability. I I was really having these big goals or I wanted to be like a certain only when I was speaking would speak I don't know X languages I would be like happy with myself uh, which was a couple of years ago but I discovered that like perfection or the hundred percent it's actually an illusion and it's even harmful if it present uh, prevents you from taking the first small uh, steps and uh, with this perfection the, fo yeah, the focus is more on the goal on the future and an idealized version and for me that was like becoming a polyglot or becoming fluent and uh, I changed that motivation to from within uh, I started to enjoying the language process and mistakes and having concrete and reachable goals and for sustainability um, like perfection you know you can always find something that someone is not doing uh, like like perfect there is no such thing we are all hypocrites um, and it's easy to point fingers like I, I went to the climate conference in uh, Poland mm -hmm. and there's assembly of all the countries or almost all the countries in the world represented and they of course uh, they fly fly there but also they fly from within Poland uh, because they fly to Warsaw the, the capital and then they take another flight to Katowice, which was only two hours by train and would be like half an hour by flight. However, like from door to door, it would also be two hours by flying. And they still, still a lot of people did that going to this conference on climate change and flying as one of, as a big contributor as well. So uh, that, I've, yeah, that was, you know, that you can always, it's easy to say, yeah, I think this point, it's, it's really hypocrites. But yeah, I think we should not focus on, on this so much uh, because hypocrisy is like a scale and we are all somewhere on that scale. Uh, we can only work to reduce it. And for me that, you know, if you work on your hypocrisy, you can also work on your integrity at the same time. And this thought of not that there's no perfection, no 100%, it really helped me with um, like taking other steps. So I would maybe advise that one to, to people or to keep this in mind, to keep it concrete and reachable goals and to realize we're all, we're all hypocrites. We can only work to reduce this level of hypocrisy. Yeah, and maybe that's a bit abstract, but um, it really helped me. That's the first time I've heard anyone since I've been interviewing people say that. The hypocrisy part, you mean, or yes, yes, yeah. I and it's kind of funny because people want you to, you know, they want to give good information, but at the end of the day, people don't want to step on people's toes. Be well, why don't you just be honest? Yeah, you know, I mean, because honestly, I'd rather you be honest than dishonest. Mm -hmm. yeah. I. I mean, because that's what people are going to remember. Wow, I like this. She was honest. I, I can relate to that. Or he was yeah. honest. I can relate to that. Exactly. And I mean, because yeah. a, a lot of these people, if you look on the internet, they're looking at, they don't realize like people like Ollie Richards um, of IWillTeachYouLanguage.com, yeah. how it took him years to learn all the languages he learned. Yeah. It didn't just happen overnight. I mean, his business didn't just happen overnight. Mm -hmm. 
he started with a blog seven years ago and now he has all this stuff going on but it took time and it took work yeah and i think a lot of people don't understand that like they think it's supposed to happen like tomorrow just like you're supposed to be fluent in a language well i'd rather be proficient in a language um to a, and enjoy know. the process as well like right you no know, you have to make mistakes too this is part of it and you have to like the self uh, not be self like criticism on yourself but um have compassion towards yourself with that as well right um, and patience and yeah so I'm, I'm writing a blog post now on, on this thing like uh, hypocrisy that we are all hypocrites. I, I mean, I can't say I'm, a, I, but I think we are, we are actually all hypocrites and also the same for ignorance. We I think we all have ignorance on certain topics. We are not all knowing on all topics. Right. So like ego- egoism, we're all egoistic and depending also on the context and we're all prejudiced also that as well. And right. in many conversations, the goal is to prevent uh, you don't want to have this label on you. you. I would not enjoy people telling me that that I'm an ignorant, hypocrite, uh, egoistic, prejudiced person. I would not like hearing this. I would right. prevent to do anything to get these labels on me. Uh, so that's the goal of the conversation to have a, portray a certain image of yourself because uh, you want to think good of yourself and you want other people to think good of your of you. Right. Um, but actually, I think it can be a starting point to. Yeah, I, I acknowledge that I'm this and this and this, but okay, what does this mean? How can I maybe uh, reduce? Uh, it's always there's always a scale. How can right. I work on this, or how can we help each other with this? Right, oh, uh, right. And, and I definitely can agree with that because I I was talking to Alex Rollins last month about this same issue, and I said, you know, I created my podcast because I'm the only person that's you know visually impaired that's mm-hmm. talking about language learning from my perspective you know yeah. how I do it and I said mm-hmm. you know I learned so much from all of you guys and he said keep doing my podcast because no one knows no yeah. one has a clue and yeah. I said but have you have you done uh, like episodes like uh, about yourself or maybe it's it would be nice that somebody interviews you on on this uh, topic well, I, 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 I was on actual fluency back in 2017. Yeah. Um, and I partake in the um, fluent shows, you know, little questionnaire that they did for women in language. Mm-hmm. But in regards to anyone asking me to be on their show per se, no. But, but on your show, like, uh, for example, I could interview you for your show. That that uh, you don't have to. Maybe that's uh, also interesting. Like somebody's interviewing you for your show. Uh, to, um, to, you know, I can... haven't had that yet. I have not. I I mean, I've I've done like self introduction of myself on my show, like yeah. the first episode. But yeah, yeah, I listened to the first one indeed, the first episode. Right. But I don't know if you have had more talking about your uh, like yourself and the struggles you had or. Yeah, well, I have certain episodes where I've done that, where I've talked about my struggles with with learning Russian or learning Spanish, or I've talked about how difficult it is to find materials online because for me, being visually impaired, I'm more of an ebook person. 
and I have like a refreshable braille display that I can hook up to my phone or my tablet and the words that come up in braille on my display for me in the language uh, however it has to be written in that language so if it's like in Japanese it'll come up in Japanese braille even though I don't know Japanese braille but it will mm-hmm. um, however I talk about that all the time about how stuff is not accessible and how frustrating it is and I mean I've let people who have language learning companies know who are polyglots hey, your website, this particular website, portion of your website is not accessible. I can't access it with my screen reader. And if anyone else came on here that had a screen reader, they wouldn't be able to access it either. You might want to check this out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I say it as tactfully as I can without shoving it down anyone's throat. Mm-hmm. But it's it's kind of hard when you're the minority. Yeah. And everyone's seeing it from a visual perspective, even though there are a lot of auditory learners out there that are sighted, but people still see it from a visual perspective. So they're not looking at, well, I might have someone that has not as much readable vision as I do and might use a, they're not looking at that. No one's looking at that. So that was another reason I created this podcast show was to let people know this is what need you know this there needs to be another voice out here and um i'm very happy that i'm doing my show and i'm able to interview people um along with doing segments myself that i create myself but no no one's no one's called me to ask me to be on their show well, we know it will happen. Yeah, I was more talking about, you know, um, inter- somebody interviewing you on your show as well. But I, of course, you can do self-introductory um, uh, as well, of course. But I think yeah. it's always nice to be interviewed, that you don't have to, if somebody asks you the questions, it's, I think, I, I like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, easier, easier to talk that way. Oh, yeah, because I don't mind answering questions about how I learn languages, how I started. Yeah. You know, I have no problem. That That's the one thing that I enjoy the most is letting people know, mm-hmm. okay, I'm representing myself. I can't represent a large portion of the, the blindness community because I was never born totally blind. So mm-hmm. so I only can represent me. I, I, I always have to make that distinction because people seem to think either you can see well enough to drive or your total, and that's not that's not always the case. Everyone's sight impairment is different. Yeah. You know, there's some people that can read large print. There's some people that can read regular twelve size font still. You know, but they can't they can't drive a car. You know, mm-hmm. it just depends on the person and their eye condition. So, I I try to say that in a way that doesn't. You know, because I notice that there are people that have disabilities in the language learning community, and they're not visual. They're the hidden ones. They're the ones that are more on the autism spectrum or the ADD or ADHD or dyslexic spectrum or the Asperger spectrum. Or now anxiety 
and depression is, is a part of that too. So, you know, we, I, I guess I look at it like this, whatever one believes in, in regards to faith based, um, if God made us all to be different and language is what, what connects us yet if a person's not willing to learn about somebody else mm. and how they learn but they're willing to learn everything else you know to me that's a form of you know being ignorant yeah definitely yeah you know and i i think a lot of it is exposure if you're not exposed to something or someone mm. you just you're not going to know and if you yeah. don't know just because you weren't exposed, that's one thing. But if you just don't care, that's something different. Yeah, that's something totally different. Yeah. I agree. So you know, I kind of remove myself from the ones that are egotistic and self-absorbed. I look at it like I base it off of this: if you, if I can sit here and have a conversation with you either over the phone, instant messenger, WhatsApp, and we all hit it off, that's cool. Mm-hmm. We'll be friends for life. Okay, fine. If I ask you, can you read my blog for me and tell me what you think I just made, I just created my blog. And somebody says, well, I don't do this anymore. Good luck with this. But yet you promoted what they've done. Word of mouth for free. You see what I'm saying? You've done all these things to help them out. But when you need some help, they cut you off. Like you're not important or because you're not making a certain amount of money or you're not whatever it is you're not doing. And I said, well, didn't you start at the bottom with no money? You started with an idea and you harnessed that idea and made it into a reality. And now that you're at a certain level, you want to treat people who are trying to get to that same level like they're not important because you're at this particular point in your life. Mm. But look at how you got there. <laughs> it's always with help of other people, right? It's always. Exactly. Yeah, it's never alone. It's always with a like, community of people. Yeah. Right, right. And I, yeah. you know, and I sat there and I just started my blog like three days ago. Okay. On WordPress. Actually, it's, it's called Chanel's Language Learning Journey at WordPress. Mm-hmm. There is no apostrophe. It's just C-H-E-N-E-L-L-E-S and then Language Learning Journey at WordPress. So I only have like two posts so far. And the first yeah, one is about about me. I mean, it's a lot in a few days. <laughs> I, I started my blog, uh, I don't know, uh, two months ago. I have, yeah, I've, I've not been so active yet. So, yeah. Actually, what, I try, what I'm trying to do is look at my podcast shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to write blogs based off of what I already said. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that way, it gives me more information to draw from. But if you really want to read, like, my, my first blog... Like, I'm trying to get people to give me feedback because I've never done this before. Mm. I used to write when I was little. I mean, younger. Before my my readable vision got bad. 
I used to take like five star notebooks with the different color pens. Um, and I would start off with black until it it ran out and then switch to another color and switch to another color until they all ran out. And back and forth, back and front, I would write short stories, mm-hmm. longhand, before, you know, the internet and all of this. And I've always been a writer. And people just kept telling me, why don't you write a blog? I want to see you write. Mm-hmm. I want to see this. Like, you know, other than people asking me to come to a language conference, that's the other thing people have been asking me for. So I said, I'm going to do a podcast and a blog, and I'll leave it at that. Because I'm not a content creator. I'm not someone that I can just sit there and write a course on how to do something. But I think that's also like small steps building up, and then you come to that point. uh, Yeah, You never know what what happens. I I doubt the big uh, language learning websites, they knew already beforehand that they were, were doing this, what they're doing now. It's always... But uh, trusting the process as well and doing it because you feel like uh, it's from from inside it's not for external reasons it's for internal reasons oh yes i mean and i love to write like i i sat there and it's it's very therapeutic now i mean Mm. writing in english is one thing writing in another language is another yeah another thing altogether different but yeah aside from that um you know, I enjoy the process and I enjoy talking to people and getting different people's perspective and, mm. and sharing their stories with people. And it, it gives me a sense of gratitude to know that um, I'm not the, I'm the only one in my family that speaks multiple languages, but, you know, they still think I'm a geek anyway. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, you know, I enjoy what I do. Like, I'm hyped up about Lord, uh, not Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones tonight. Okay, I don't watch that. I didn't never watch <laughs> But, yeah. It's the last episode, or what? Oh, no, it's episode three of season eight. It's the big battle at Winterfell. Okay. So, okay, a whole bunch yeah, of people are going to die it. tonight. Yeah. I've, I've never watched it. I, I never understood the, like, why, why people liked it. I, I didn't like it at all <laughs> but that's yeah different in taste yeah. right <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on the show today well thank you for for having me i really enjoyed our conversation i hope we can uh, like uh not of course not by podcast but we keep in touch oh yes uh, most yeah. definitely i yeah. i love keeping in touch i keep i try to keep in touch with as many people as i talk to i mean there are a few people there are a couple people where I've asked them to come back on, well, one person I asked to come back on the show uh, that was at Women in Language, and she couldn't come. But I was happy to get her when I did get her for, I I interviewed Susanna Sarevsky back in December about her language learning journey. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. It's one of those things where you know how you meet somebody and you've seen them on YouTube or something? And the reality hits after you talk to the person that you just talked to that person and that, that you, it, it connected. It was like, I was giving the interview. I finished the interview and then I don't know what happened, but then I had an Eureka moment where I was like, I just talked to the chick that was on the CBS program talking about 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. they're just it, people. Everyone's just, a, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I think it's, we make, yeah, we, you're often intimidated or I don't know what. And oh, well, yeah, a lot, are, of, a lot of it is very nice. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, I, I've enjoyed all the conversations. I think the most interesting one I had was with Vladimir Scaltetti. Oh, yeah. I listened half of it. I have to listen the rest. Yeah. And that was the best conversation ever. And yeah, I, I have. Hmm? He he actually knows his stuff. Yeah. And I enjoyed talking to him. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And he he, I mean, there are certain people you just had fun with, and you'd be like, oh well, this person doesn't. If I were to meet this person in real life they would probably be the same. You know, because yeah, sometimes you can talk to people and you can tell if they're genuine mm -hmm. or if they're stuck up. And so I can tell that right away. Like, if I'm talking to someone and they just seem like they're there, but they're not there. Yeah. Like yeah. a sixth sense for that. Right. Yeah, that's, that's useful to have, to know. Yeah. Right. And I mean, like, I enjoy talking to certain people because it's like, wow, they're really down earth, yeah. you know, and um, that that you don't you don't get a lot of. And I do have to say, I was I was completely blown away when certain people started to come on my show because I didn't know. I really did not know if people we're going to take me seriously, yeah. you know, and I was just pinching myself every time someone said yes, because, you know, throughout life, you have people who tell you no so much that a yes is like, oh my God, really? Yeah. You know, because it's yeah. hard for you to believe because you've had so much negative backlash. You don't know how to take a positive comment or anything else. Yeah. It's a foreign concept. I'm very happy that you had this I mean, that you now have uh, so many yeses. What I experience is if you ask for help, uh, like maybe I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that sense that people usually, they really want to help. But in the past, I was too afraid to, to ask for help or ask people. But now that I do more often, yeah, I notice how really people, they actually want to help you. They are happy to help you. And uh, yeah, I'm happy that you also have this experience with the, with the podcast. I mean, because it is, it's very hard to ask for help because when yeah. you do ask for help, it's not always received positively. Mm. You know, I've seen that a lot and um, like I needed help getting through WordPress last week and I went and I went on a particular site because I was using voiceover and I needed someone that knew how to use voiceover in the blindness community so I went to a board and someone one person called me back and said Chanel this is how you do it all these people just in this group of people did not want to help and then I said they called me back and said so how did you get on with it and I said oh thank you so much your help helped me out a lot mm -hmm. you know but it's just the point that, like, when people want you to help them for something, you're there. And then when you need help with whatever it is, people assume you're supposed to already know how to do this or that. 
in that's mm. not even the case yeah. so well, I have to admit with, with um, uh, like with my family and stuff I it's it's I have less patience than with with uh, like other people mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it depends on on the person and it's because of it's because of my issues it's not uh, you, sh- you shouldn't take it personally if people don't help you or uh, because it's like the it's their limitations or their ignorance or their whatever it's not you and right uh, yeah because i notice it that i'm also not always uh, as, as friendly or as compassionate uh, with, with my family as with other people depending on the topic i'm, I'm talking about with them mm-hmm. and uh, i do notice it now and i try to work i, I, work, I work on it but um, yeah so um, yeah, just, that... yeah that's what i want to say like don't i hope you don't take it too personal or yeah i don't i don't know exactly what you experience but yeah it's of course uh not so nice for you that uh, yeah when you experience that people don't want to help you well i think someone had emailed me and said well people just don't know how and i said well okay i can explain it in in layman's terms but let's be honest if I'm, if I'm talking to you in English and I'm explaining what I need help with and you're still clueless, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I'm going to go on to someone else. Yeah. But at the same time, too, I think a lot of, there's a lot of fear and a lot of trepidation well, going on. Trepid- Tre- trepidation? Yeah, I don't know the word. <laughs> um, well, oh, actually, trepidation, I just repeated myself. Oh, trepidation means fear. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So. Um. Basically, I because I'm visually impaired, right? Um. And I can't read print very well, but I have devices and stuff that can read stuff for me, auditorially. Mm-hmm. And I used to be able to read print, but I no longer can. Um. They there's you know people are people and this is understandable but people get afraid of something they don't know anything about yeah and so is it this is also something you experience that you have fear for some things you don't know about or that you um well i'm pretty much not afraid of much of anything aside from birds um because <laughs> i was attacked by them when i was little okay yeah. but in regards to people in general interacting with me mm-hmm. in general i yeah. think some of it is is that they don't know how to they become nervous yeah. like i'm not approachable and i'm like i'm just like you the only difference is i don't drive a car yeah. you know <laughs> you know because everyone bases everything off of a car mm-hmm. can you drive a car well normal people catch the train and a bus and an uber or a lyft or a taxi you know not everyone owns a car yeah even if they do have full sight depending on where you live you might not need one Mm. you know it just depends on (laughs) you know on the circumstances so i said not everything is built off of a car but at the same token they um seem to think um, you know, if you have a sight problem, that there's something wrong with your brain as well. 
And I said, well, the last time I checked, I've lived in seven states, been to 28 states out of 50, including Canada. Um, I have a bachelor's degree, two certifications, and speak about nine languages and different degrees of proficiency, have my own podcast show, my own blog. I live on my own. I have a guide dog. And I'm living life. So I like to know, you know, how I don't, you know, my level of intelligence has something to do with my sight impairment. Yes. Yeah, that's just pure ignorance of people if they really think this way. Yeah. It's really strange. Oh, a, a lot of people do. And really? Yeah. I, I, yeah, you know it, but I. Right. Hard to imagine that you experience it. So. Wow. Oh yeah, I, and and it's so weird to me because I'm like I I'm the only one in my family that has a sight loss problem, mm-hmm. and even with family, you have to sit there and say to yourself, okay, do you have any common sense left in your brain? Like I cook for myself, clean, do laundry, it, everything everyone else does. I just can't drive a car. Mm-hmm. I can't fill out paperwork. Not, not with a pen and paper i can't read it so i can't you know but i don't care about that 90 percent of the stuff is on the internet anyway yeah. you can fill out the same forms on the internet so you know like i told everyone i've interviewed i i'm i'm teaching in my own way with the stories that i i talk about in the segments i do and you know with my blog now I'll be writing a lot more. And I said, I might do two blogs a week or something. And I said, you know, at the end of the day, I wouldn't have had 160 people so far listening to my podcast or more people asking me when's the next episode or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, someone wanted me to come to Uganda and teach. And then I said, well, I can't do that. (laughs) You know, I don't have a passport. And I don't know if I want to go to Uganda, to be honest. Their disability rights isn't that great. And it's just, no, sorry. But aside from that, um, you know, I'm very blessed to, to have support that I do. And then I get to meet cool people every day and, you know, I, you name the language group and the language, I'm probably a part of the community, even if I haven't studied the language, but two words of it, mm. you know, I, you know, people are very welcoming. I mean, now there are people out there that they just never been exposed to someone like me and it's a frightening experience for them. But, you know, I try not to take it personally, even though sometimes it does become mm. very difficult, you know. I mean, because trust me, I know I, I try to be my authentic self every single day. I'm extremely blunt about a lot of different things and critical. If I feel that someone's being trashed in some group, you know, for whatever it was they said, I'm going to go on there and I'm going to defend them, even though I don't know them. Yeah, you know, because yeah. it's not nice to be cruel to somebody because you happen to not agree. You can agree to disagree, but that doesn't mean you have to trash the person. You know, to make yourself look better. Yes. So, I mean, I've seen that a lot too. And and, and some of the moderators and some of the um, admins are starting to crack down on that because it's abuse. 
and it's a form of bullying and yeah but aside from that I'm I'm very happy to have the platform that I have I mean at first I didn't even know if I was going to do a podcast or not and I, I just took a risk and saw what could happen as a result of it and I don't feel bad about it I I enjoy every moment of it you know it gives me an opportunity to express how I feel about language learning and get to know people from around the world and make an impact in a positive way um you know I try to be as professional and as positive as I possibly can with no ego involved because I know I don't know everything about language learning. I just know from my own trial and error. Experience, yeah. I think the own experiences are the best, uh, like teachers. (laughs) And books can be a help, but uh, it's the own experiences that that are best to draw lessons from and grow. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I will be keeping in touch. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. Outside of this interview. Yeah, yeah. And then I wish you good luck with all the other interviews you have planned for the next month. Oh my God! Tomorrow I have one with Kalau Alauzi. He's he's a polyglot that speaks fourteen languages out of Nigeria. Sorry again, fourteen languages from? Yes. He speaks fourteen languages. His name is Kalau Alauzi. Okay. Yes. So. So yes. Oh, I'm looking I will. forward to, to listening. I probably not will not listen to all uh, all episodes, but uh, as I said, I, there's so many so too too little time, too less time to to do that. But uh, I'm I'm going to listen to uh, some of you said that sounded very interesting. Oh yeah, I because I I interviewing I'm interviewing um Caddy Nadoy on Wednesday and on Thursday I'm interviewing Jordan Aiken. So. Yeah, I have a lot of people, <laughs> which I'm very happy for. Yeah. So, yeah. but let me do my send off real quick. Um, thank you to everybody for listening today to Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast, episode eighty-two, with Caroline Caspers of the Netherlands. And I would like to say to all the new people, thank you for listening. And please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Spotify, and every other place where you can download podcasts from. Don't forget to give me a rating as well and a review that helps people find the podcast. And remember, language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process. And I will see you guys in the next episode of Chanel's Language Learning Journey Podcast. Bye-bye.